and welcome to the latest Ocean Media All at Sea podcast. I'm Gary Brown, Editorial Director of All at Sea magazine, the Caribbean and South Florida's favourite waterfront magazine. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of All at Sea magazine and Budget Marine Caribbean-wide chandleries. On the podcast this month, we're going to talk about preparing your boat for hurricane season and about cigatera poisoning in fish and how to make sure that you don't eat a fish that may be carrying the cigatera toxin. And we'll have that for you in part two. Hurricane season is upon us here in the Caribbean. How can you prepare your boat to survive a hurricane? Well, the season started, so you should have uh, already planned this by now. But if you haven't, here's a few tips for you. Now, having ridden out several hurricanes and having had a boat smashed by one, I feel qualified to offer a few suggestions on storm readiness. In times past, yachtsmen would be gone from the hurricane belt long before the start of the hurricane season, and this is still the only way to guarantee you won't be caught in a Caribbean hurricane. However, for many of today's cruisers, leaving the hurricane belt is not an option. My wife and I live in the Caribbean year-round, and we have to deal with the hurricane season. When my boat was smashed by Hurricane Gonzalo a couple of years ago, I fell into the trap of not preparing early enough. I also relied on the weather forecasters, who later admitted that Gonzalo didn't behave as planned. Although I can lambast the Met Office for a dodgy forecast, the book stops with me. I'm the skipper. My seamanship and judgement were at fault, and I paid a high price. If you can't haul out and plan to stay afloat for the season, then here are a few things to consider. Your location is crucial. Choose your spot early and get as much ground tackle down as you can. Remember, other boats will be seeking shelter and will anchor close to you. This is a given. When I rode out Hurricane Lewis in 1995, I was holding to a concrete mooring block and five anchors. I kept one anchor in reserve, but I didn't use it, even though I lost one anchor thanks to chafe. Lashing your boat to mangroves with anchors deployed from the stern or bow is a proven way of surviving a storm. However, environmentalists in places like St Martin are trying to limit such actions. If you are in a so-called hurricane hall, then seek the advice of people who have sheltered there in the past. Coral Bay St John's in the USVI would be a prime example. Chafe is your enemy, it really is. If you are lying to chain, then you will need long nylon snubbers to prevent snatching. It is absolutely vital to protect nylon snubbers or your anchor rod from chafing. Leading snubbers and road through bilge holes works well, but modern bow rollers are notoriously inadequate and there probably won't be room for more than one hose and one line. Where to lead everything is something you must work out for yourselves. During Hurricane Lewis, I took snubbing lines back to the primary winches and I had the bitter end of one anchor chain through a pipe and shackled around the base of the mast. Belt and braces is your motto. Windage. Yeah, windage. <laughs> we all have it. Try carrying a 4x4 sheet of plywood in 10 knots of wind and you'll quickly learn about windage. Strip your boat of everything that increases windage. Sails, awnings, spray curtains, barbecue. Take off as much as you can, including external halyards. 
leave a couple so that you can go up the mast after the storm. I dropped all my halyards on our uh, wooden cutter, Dryak 2, all bar one, and I'm so glad I did. Not only did it cut the windage down, it stopped them from bashing on the mast and doing more damage uh, than was already done by the uh, wind, scouring the varnish clean off the mast, and there was 22 coats on there. Yeah, and stole the dinghy, and never, ever, ever leave the headsail on the roller furler. It's a boat smasher. Now, I'm often asked this question, should I stay aboard in a blow, or should I go ashore? And I've heard it said that there is nothing to be gained by staying aboard. This isn't strictly true. There are lots you can do. For instance, you can shake in fear. You can also tend the lines and keep chafe at bay. Before the wind really picks up, you might also be able to fend off should a small boat drag down on you. But if it's an inter-island freighter, then good luck. At some point during a monster storm, you will find there is little you can do but hang on. And don't expect someone to come to your help. They won't. Running the engine to manoeuvre is marginally possible and some skippers have reduced the load on dragging anchors and in this way save themselves from being driven ashore. Be aware that the seafloor will be in motion and sand and debris might find its way into the water intake and the engine overheat. It happened to me. Dirt in the fuel tanks will also be stirred up so you need to have plenty of filters on board. Should you move ashore? Well, I've ridden out several hurricanes, both afloat and ashore. Ashore, I did nothing but fret about leaving the boat. Afloat, I did nothing but cuss for not staying ashore. If you do head for the shore, then take all your valuables, electronics, money, papers and documents with you. Sadly, if your boat does break free and go ashore, you might not be the first person to arrive on the scene. There are some horror stories about looting. A friend of mine caught someone with a hacksaw trying to cut through his prop shaft to get the feathering propeller off while the boat was on the beach. Be warned. Flight or fight? Another question. Leaving an anchorage to outrun or outmaneuver a named storm is fraught with danger. Lack of wind ahead of the storm, boat speed, crew endurance and unreliable weather forecasts are just a few of the factors to consider. In one of the hurricanes that we had come through St Martin, a couple of boats did run to sea. One of them survived, one didn't, and I ended up going to the memorial service, very moving memorial service in the town of Marigot for uh, the people who were lost at sea during that storm because they tried to outrun it. And summing up, if there's a weak link in your preparations, the probing storm will find it. Skill, local knowledge, experience and good equipment all help. Common sense is vital. Good luck. This podcast is made possible by the support of All at Sea magazine and Budget Marine. And you can find All at Sea, the Caribbean's number one waterfront full-colour magazine, throughout the Caribbean island chain, the Panama Canal, the Bahamas and South Florida. You can pick up a free copy at marinas, boatyards, ship stores, Yacht clubs, boaters, bars, my favourite, and marine service providers. You can also download the entire magazine for free as a PDF by going to our website, and that's all at sea.net, and copies going back several years are available. Budget Marine are the Caribbean's largest suppliers of marine equipment, boat gear, and fishing supplies. You can check them out online at budgetmarine.com or visit one of their many stores in Antigua, Aruba, 
Bonaire, Curacao, Grenada, St. Martin, French and Dutch side, St. Thomas, Tortola and Trinidad. And their staff of experts are the friendliest around. Now I have a couple of books I would like to recommend. Caribbean High and Caribbean Deep are full-on action thrillers featuring Richard Turpin and Willie Jones, ex-Special Forces officers who rampage around the Caribbean, bringing the modern-day pirates who haunt these waters swift and bloody justice. Biscay, our ultimate storm, is non-fiction and is about how my wife and I survived being capsized and dismasted in a Force 11 storm in the Bay of Biscay. This book is a must-read for anyone considering sailing offshore. It's published as an e-book, and for $2.99, it could save your life. All these books are available from Amazon. Back to the show. Now, in part two of this podcast, we're turning our attention to fish and cigarette poisoning. Reason being that uh, not uh, long ago, in one of our editions of All at Sea magazine, we covered this subject. We also published it on our website and on our Facebook page, and it caused all sorts of aggravation. People were very angry with me, saying that, oh, I'm scaremongering and the cigarette poisoning, I've never had it, and you won't get it, and just ignore it. And one very irate reader down in Dominica said, we're trying to uh, control the spread of lionfish by eating them, and here are you talking about cigarette poisoning and destroying all our good work. Well, I'll say it again. Having lived in the Caribbean for many, many, many years, I uh, have come across cigarette poisoning and I have had many friends, or a few friends anyway, who have suffered from it. And it's horrific. If you get cigarette poisoning, believe me, you won't want to eat fish ever again. And in some cases, you might not be able to eat fish ever again. The symptoms are you, you feel hot when you should be cold, you feel cold when you should be hot, you get the shakes, you get the cold sweats, your hair can fall out, are incredibly tired. There's all sorts of symptoms affect people in a different way, but you certainly don't want cigarette poisoning. And so I'll just say this one more time. If you are in the Caribbean and you're fishing, check on the fish you are eating. I would never, under any circumstances, no matter what anybody tells me, eat a barracuda, big or small. The reason being, the barracuda are up there at the top of the food chain, and they're eating the small fish on the reef. The big fish eat them, you eat the big fish, and you get the toxin into your body. You've got a problem. There's no known cure either, by the way. The uh, symptoms can last for many, many years. Barracuda, I would stay away from them. People shouted at me for this too and got on to me about, oh, I eat barracuda, I eat barracuda. Well, you know, good luck to you guys and uh, you're okay, fine, fine by me, I'm happy for you. But you wouldn't catch me eating a barracuda. If you're in a Caribbean area uh, where there's a known problem with cigarette, ask the local fishermen. They know where to catch fish. When we lived in Antigua, we were told by the fishermen, don't eat anything that you catch off Redonda. And so we didn't. Uh, certainly don't eat any barracuda or jacks you catch down there. We were told, so we didn't do that. Uh, yet a friend of mine in Antigua did eat a fish uh, from caught around Barbuda, I believe, and he got cigarette and was very, very ill. So ask the local fisherman, use a bit of common sense, research it a bit too. I'm not trying to scare you off about eating fish. I eat fish all the time. I like to stick to the pelagic fish. I like wahoo, mai mai, kingfish. If it's an open ocean fish, then it's usually okay. It's the ones that you're catching around the reefs that may be a problem. Go to Wikipedia and read about cigarette poisoning and then make your own judgment. But I don't want this to put you off eating fish because that's not what I'm here to do. It's just here to tell you that it is out there and you need to be a little bit careful with what you eat. 
And one final note on Sigaterra. Some companies have brought testing kits onto the market that tell you if the fish has got Sigaterra or not. I have never heard of anyone using these kits with success. You don't see them now, so maybe that speaks for itself. But I've also heard all about the ways that you can check to see if uh, the piece of fish you're about to eat has got the toxin. And they're crazy. One of these ways is, uh, so they say, is to throw some fish on the ground where there are ants around and see if the ants will eat it. And if they do, then it's safe to eat. And the other way is to feed a piece to your cat and see if it drops dead or if it takes ill or whether it just walks away or whatever. When I first heard these stories way back in the 1990s, I believed then, as I believe now, that these are bullshit. These are old wives' tales, and I wouldn't put my health at risk on the say-so of a load of moribund ants. If you've had experience with the Sigaterra, do get in touch, gary at allatsea.net, and uh, I'll take note of it, because we've been keeping a track of what's been said about Sigaterra. I'd love to hear from you. That's gary at allatsea.net, or oceanmedia.gb at gmail and that's it for now until next time bon appetit and safe sailing